Hello and welcome back to We Are Movies. I'm Johnny Mockney, as always, and I appreciate you returning uh, for this next spooky october episode of the podcast my guest today is a wonderful comedian named jacob barr if you know anything about the michigan comedy scene you know that the ann arbor scene is just full of killers like literally everybody from that scene who travels uh, is really good and jacob's even a standout of that uh just an incredible comic um writes such good material about like his life and uh the things that have plagued him and also capable of being very mean, uh, but like in a great way. I, I can't, I, I, I have a hard time on this podcast explaining why people are funny, but Jacob's funny and you're going to hear him in this podcast and, uh, you'll hear him occasionally be funny as well as very contemplative and thoughtful, just like the movie we're discussing today, which is a great film, uh, an amazing foreign film, a vampire movie, uh, sort of a slow coming-of-age drama as well, uh, and that is Let the Right One In. Um, as always, this is a spoilerific podcast, so I recommend going to see the movie. Genuinely, it's an amazing movie. I Just one of the best takes on vampires ever put on film um and it's there's a reason why it's an enduring classic so uh please go watch that movie and then come back and enjoy our very spooky discussion on we are movies Out of all the podcasts I've been on, one of them we had to have talked about some kind of movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever been on a specific movie This podcast. is the first one that you've been yeah. on that's like a cinephile's Right, I'm very excited. <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's really a rage because sometimes, um, sometimes a guy comes on and knows everything about their favorite movie and then sometimes it's somebody that's like I, I watched this five years ago right. and I kind of liked it and it like, is a real what rant. do you mean Jack Black was in School of Rock <laughs> right. I need to watch it again I thought it was a Miranda Cosgrove movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but do you do you consider yourself a movie person at yeah. All? yeah I love movies uh, I was super pretentious about movies in high school uh, this was probably one of the first pretentious movies I got into uh, but it, that, that doesn't mean bad, but I mean, like, I yeah. was like, I was like, I must only watch the most critically acclaimed movies so I can, like, because cause I got into watching movies that made me feel, like, weird, and I thought that was fun, yeah. and a lot of the, like, really weird movies were also pretty critically acclaimed in a lot of ways, so I got into it, um, but I also used to, like, hate fun movies, yeah. So like, hey, I'd be like, I hate Adam Sandler. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, a fart joke in a movie? No, 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 no. Yeah. But, uh... Now it's been, now I've become I think less of a cinephile but more like enjoying movies like more of broad movies. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of I had a similar arc in my life where I was like pro, like I, like I just kind of liked all kinds of movies and then I went down that that route of like oh I'm a serious cinephile I like only the good movies and right. then, yeah I was like fart jokes ridiculous huh. and then now I've come all the way back around to where I still love good movies like great movies and acclaimed movies. But then, undeniably, I think farts are funny. Like, right. I, you know. I think now I kind of enjoy every movie because I used to in high school. Right. I wanted to only watch good movies. Yeah. But now I want to. I like all movies because even if they're bad, I like. I love laughing at bad movies. Yes. And that was. I think that's what brought me out of the like pretentiousness of my youth was right. being like, oh wait, bad movies are like more fun to like hang out with people. Yeah. You know, like show the ladies a bad movie. Like <laughs> right, show right. ladies be like, oh, do you want to see Requiem for a Dream? No. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, by the ass to ass scene, that'll scene. really get them in the mood and Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> I, I I think. Um, well, do you think that 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 are because a lot of people I think go through some kind of um, pretentious phase in whatever they're interested in, whatever oh, yeah. if it's music or whatever. And when you uh, when you realize the thing you're into is cool, yeah, you're like oh wow. Do you think though that pretentious phase? Because you said it was in high school, and for me it was in high school too. And it's like, do you think that comes from like a certain, uh, like a an insecurity at the time, like a feeling of like I need to like the correct stuff? Oh yeah, that's a great yeah. question. Because you know maybe I didn't see that at the time, but oh one hundred percent, I wanted to like things that would make me seem cool. Probably right. I was a poser. I mean, I was. Oh, <laughs> I was. A, that's basically what I'm saying. Is I was a mega poser. Because sure. even the pretentious things I was into, I wasn't. I didn't even think I was into them the right way. I didn't even yeah. think I was liking the right thing in the pretentious space. <laughs> well, like, I, I never, like, okay, I've never seen The Godfather. I've never, I, I made a comment about Requiem for a Dream. I've never even seen Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> but when I think of, like, weird, like, off-putting movies, I think of that movie. Yeah. I, 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 the only reason I thought that is because I'm like, well, now I'm, like, older and I'm on the other side of it. And it's like, I... I will now laugh at like a fart joke in a movie, and I think it comes from the security that I know what's good and what's not good. Right. So at that point, I'm now comfortable laughing at a fart joke in a movie. See like, that? Like, see that's a confident like take. Mine is more of like I think everything I like is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like I I'm like I can't get, I can't be like this movie sucks. I love the yeah. WWE. Like I can't <laughs> I I don't have any like power over anything. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, how were so. What, how old were you the first time you saw this movie? Oh, I was, so I was way too young. I was like 14. 14. I saw the American remake had come out or yeah. like was getting advertised and like the actors in that movie I'd like recognized through other things. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then all the comments were like, this is actually like a Swedish movie or something. And then I read the book before I... So That's I, interesting. I, yeah, it's kind of weird because I, I saw the book and I read a review for the book and they were like, this book is so twisted and messed up you gotta read this uh i hated books but i loved like horror at the time yeah. that was right when i was getting into that so i read the book and i thought it was fantastic and then i watched the swedish movie and i think it's one of my favorite movies and the american version's fine it's mm. it i think like out of all the americanized like remakes i think it does the original justice mm -hmm. it's just like it, it's just missing something right well those american remakes are always gonna they're always, it up. And they always had the fault of, like, they are for people who just didn't want to read. Like Yeah, exactly. Because there's here in the Swedish version, there's not even a ton of dialogue. There's a right. lot of silence in that movie. Yeah. So I feel like it, even for a foreign movie, it's pretty easy to watch because you're like, most of it, you're like, ah, it's snowing. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of snow. Yeah, there's some snow. There's some sad shots. things happening. It's it's not a movie to watch like in a late evening, I think. It's not a movie that where you might get a kind of sleepy. Yeah, and, and, I showed my mom she fell asleep. I was like, right. this is one of my favorite movies. And she's like, oh, I'll fucking get this shit. It's, I think there's such thing as good boring in yeah. movies too. And I, I, I guess I hesitate to call it good boring, but good slow. Like, mm -hmm. it's an intentionally slow movie movie but it works for the type of movie that it is like, yeah i hate when people just blankly use slow as an insult right like it that, builds up it's not that long of a movie it's about an hour and a half i think uh, it's long it's it's like an hour 50 something oh shoot is yeah, it? yeah I, I, you know, I actually haven't seen it in a little bit because i've okay. seen it probably 70 times wow i want because like i loved it because it was the first like movie where i was like oh, this is, like, really good, mm -hmm. and it's, like, affecting me in, like, a weird way because I found it so disturbing but also 
kind of wholesome and yeah. like the in a weird way beautiful of yeah. like to like just this empty a lot of empty spaces and a lot of like horrific things going on in these like very like empty spaces yeah being 14 and finally like like embracing a piece of art that gives you conflicting feelings right that's such an important and the book was very conflicting because it does the book does or the movie does the book a really good justice Mm. but we can get into it at a certain point if you don't care if i spoil the book oh that's totally fine there's a lot of things in the book that make the movie more disturbing yeah because it's all there it's just like less is like told you directly in the movie I so I watched this movie again this morning. Actually. Oh, nice! So it's pretty fresh in my mind. I had watched it many years ago when I was like a preteen, and I think I hadn't quite hit the point yet where like it was a movie that I was like, oh, that was good, and I was like telling myself that I liked it, but I clearly wasn't quite at the point where I was able to appreciate it yet. Right. Um, and uh, I think I was still in like my Tarantino phase. I was still like, I was like, yeah. Why aren't they saying the N word? <laughs> there's no feet. <laughs> There's like one shot of feet. Yeah, and, dude. Yeah. yeah, there's a. The, 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 she's there, there's a there's feet. the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if it's worse than Tarantino, actually, because she's a child. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but um, that was definitely yeah. So there was that, and then I, when I was actually I was in London uh, on the West End when I was like. Um, 15 and i saw a production of this of let the right one in oh the stage oh that's so cool because like i saw like it's been kind of had in like the past like five years it's had this kind of resurgence yeah where there's the stage play and now there's a show yeah there's a show right now which i believe is it's on showtime and i think it's like a prequel i looked it up a little bit and it looks like it's about like um she has a different name in the the yeah, the yeah. show, but Ely is her name. Yeah. In, the, in, in the Ellie Ely. Ellie, I never Eli. really in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the book. Well, okay, actually, I won't spoil. So uh, there's a there's a really major difference in the book to the movie. Okay, and I, I want to bring. I'm do. You, so do you want to get to it now? I just get so, to it now. Right, so so it. she's trans. Right. Well, that's hinted at in the movie. Yeah, very weirdly. This one shot, and I actually, I rewound it today just to make sure I saw it correctly. Yeah. Because uh, I guess, hopefully, and I always tell people to watch the movie before they listen to this podcast, but just very briefly, it is about a romance between a young boy who's like an outcast and he's getting bullied. And yeah. Him and seemingly a 12-year-old girl who is a, uh, who's a vampire. Um, and that's, and their relationship blossoms and they usually meet out on like this play set in the snow right you know at night um it sounds pretty corny but the like the it, it's 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 pretty wholesome but yeah. also very sad and disturbing right and so there are two indications and I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you can tell me about the book here because there are two indications in the movie that she might be trans and that is once early on and, and you can read this differently where she says like would you still love me if i wasn't a girl and my interpretation of that is oh she means like i'm a, vampire. I'm a monster like i'm a monster yeah and then later in the movie there's that scene where she's changing and he like peeks and it's just like a close-up of where her genitalia should be and it's like a scar it's a bizarre shot to have unexplained right it's to, to not delve into it at all and he looked he looks shocked but then they never revisit it right and so um yeah i'm curious how that plays into the book and also, like, I guess why you think it's involved in the story at all. Why that's necessary, I guess. I don't know. what. It's, so, in the book, it's very clearly that 
she's this girl. So there's a couple things in the movie that aren't explained well, and if you don't read the book, you mm-hmm. might have a very weird interpretation. So there's that one, the like her gender or whatever, because it's not really important in the book. But it's a little bit important to Oscar's character when he learns this because mm-hmm. he's kind of confused because yeah. he's like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. And he's like, does that mean I'm gay or like blah, blah, blah. Right. But then he like, he's like, no, I just love this person. And yeah. it's like kind of wholesome. It's like, it just shows like, it for at least for Oscar's character, it kind of brings them closer together because at this point, everything's kind of already hit the fan. Like he already knows what she is. It's like, oh, this isn't really that much of a deal breaker compared to the vampire thing. Yeah. And he just kind of accepts it. And, uh, it, I mean, it quote-unquote works out. Yeah. But, like, he still loves this person. And uh, the story of how she ended up like that is super messed up. It's like she was like, uh, I, I don't even really know how to explain this. But basically it was not through good means, but through her becoming trans- was also when she became a vampire. Okay. So it kind of, it, it kind of seemed to start as this like adaption, yeah. Because you know she was born a he and like, if she found it easier and more like fulfilling to identify as a woman because one, it made her easy. It it made it helped her find victims. Oh, so being like a young little girl. So you're saying that uh, in the story, she she, I finds it easier to identify as a woman and makes the transition after she becomes a vampire. That's yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's because it, it's 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 very bizarre and very right. twisted, but well, because it does play on the fact that like yeah, men are just easier to seduce and and, and kind of well. So that's know? the other. So the other big difference is who. So her caretaker. Yeah. Who did you think that was in relation to her? Well, I am. So here's the thing, and and this is where I think it really complicates how you feel about the ending of the movie, right? Which is where she does run off with Oscar, and there is this wholesome relationship that you do like between the two of them, but. Her caretaker is this older man for a good chunk of the movie until he kind of realizes his obsoleteness and also gets caught in a situation and yeah. she he she kills him as by his choice. Right. But yeah, my feeling is that's just the the last Oscar. That's just the last boy that she met because she's been twelve for who knows how long. Right. And so that's where I come to like love this story because it's like you can take the ending. Yeah. Over two different ways. So the book. Um. So. It, in the book, it's clear he's she. He wasn't the last Oscar. Okay. He was just a pedophile. Oh, who so she she met him as an adult, right? Who she like half seduces. They never like do it like you know. She's the one with the power. Yeah. In this relate, like so they never like he never like touches her or does anything. He just uses her to. But he blood. just feels like, oh, I'm just doing this. Like yeah. he loves this pedophile, loves this child as twisted as it is, and he she just uses him. To like find victims and get blood for her, and uh, the the characters, the super pathetic old yeah. man. By the end, you do have this kind of weird pity for him because you're just like, you gotta die, like you like. Yeah. Wait. But take him out of his misery, right? But yeah. the scene where he dies in the movie is not where he dies in the book. He actually survives and oh. turns. It's the scariest scene in the book. Is uh, she bites him and then he falls out the window. And then you think, oh, he's dead. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then he like appears again later as this like he's basically dead, but he's like half vampire, vampire, but he's also you know completely decayed from the acid. Yeah, and he like tries to kill her, and it's like super scary. Oh, and, then, wow. and then she kills him, and then he dies. But uh, Th- that that acid thing to the face does make more sense when you think that he has to appear as a scary villain later. Right. Like, yeah. Because it is such a bizarre way to go out where he. I do like his the scene where he's cornered, where basically he's, uh, he's got he's doing his thing. He's got the the kid upside down in the gym, and he's about to drain this kid of his blood. But then there's kids outside coming in, and there's people coming in the other way. Right, it's just and a there's, total disaster. And this moment, he just kind of sits down, and there's that I'm fucked look, yeah, and just like, kind of accepting this is gonna be it. And it's yeah. like the resolve to just like pour acid on your face is right. nuts. Because he clearly wants to commit suicide, but it doesn't do the job. Yeah, it doesn't. So. He doesn't have. Why does he shoot himself? But he's like yeah. afraid of people seeing his face. Um, yeah. You know, it's weird. In the American version, I think that scene is done a little better. Because mm. there's this. Have you seen the American remake? I haven't, no. There's this car crash shot. There's a shot of this car crash, of this car spinning. Yeah. But the camera is like stationary, and it's not spinning with the car. It's this very wild shot. It's, it's the best shot in the movie. Okay. Um, but that's the only reason I think that's done better because there's it yeah. just blew my mind. It was like, it's such a cool shot. Can I ask? Because uh, there's one other thing that comes to mind here in terms of stuff that I wonder is explained better in the book. But after, because we we have this uh, B plot of this group of friends that go out drinking together. Yeah. And they end up playing sleuth because one of their friends is murdered by uh-huh. by Ellie. Yeah. Look, uh, I think yeah they're very Swedish names. Yeah, yeah, and it's it is kind of I guess where the. Uh, the moral ambiguity, ambiguity of it that comes in is that she doesn't just, like, kill bad people. No, like, she kills people. This guy's clearly, like, a good guy. Yeah, you he's know? just do yeah. Yeah. And he tries to help her, like, and, right. yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and so they're, like, kind of all playing sleuths trying to figure out trying to get to the bottom of this and then after a series of circumstances where one of the guys upsets his girlfriend and uh, she gets attacked, she gets attacked by yeah. ellie and then she gets turned um after being bitten but there's a scene that i found so bizarre where she comes to their apartment and my assumption was when she came into the apartment she was gonna just start like attacking them the other guys because she's now thirsty for blood but instead there's a bunch of cgi cats oh my god yeah, in the apartment that, that attack her and crawl all over her that is not in away. the book that is oh okay that part isn't in the book so those characters are all in the book yeah so basically in the book you follow the perspective of uh the cop yeah and you um you follow the perspective of this cop who's looking for like trying to solve this case yeah you follow ellie and oscar and Hakan, which is the old man, or Hakan, I don't know what the heck it said in Sweden. Sure, yeah. But uh, Hakan, and then uh, some of the people who live in the apartment. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, this the guy and his girlfriend, and then a couple other people. They're not the most interesting part of the book. As a kid, I kind of wasn't too interested in them. I've sure. reread it before recently, and I've enjoyed the whole thing. But as a as a kid, though, I was like, I just want to see what the kids are doing, you know? Right, like, that's the attraction of the movie. It's right. the vampire story, you know? And it is interesting how much characterization is given to this group of people. Yeah, the CGI cats. Yeah. yeah, that's bizarre. I actually thought that was a deleted scene. I guess that is the, the I whole... kept thinking, like, why is it in here? Because, well, my first assumption... A, it's like, why are there so many cats in this apartment? And I was like, is she actually getting attacked by cats or is she delusional? And I wasn't sure, but they do make a point of one of the guys goes outside and his cat is getting angry too. Right. I, maybe there's something in lore about cats 
hating vampires. vampires. Yeah, well, you know, the term vampire, in the, so that's one of the reasons that I really like this movie. The word mm-hmm. vampire is only used once. Yeah. And in the book, it's it's never used. Right. Um, well, she, she even, like, specifies. He goes, like, you're a vampire, and she goes, like, I drink blood. So yeah. she even tries to avoid, like, well, let's the not... The connotation. Right, let's not say that, but, Which like, I Which kind of humanizes it. in a way, it's, like, as this illness, as, like, yeah. she's just stuck like this. There's one other weird interpretation in the movie that could make their whole relationship kind of sketchy, mm-hmm. uh, is when... I think it's a deleted scene. I don't know. I can't remember if this is in the real movie, but she kisses him, and she's it's they're arguing about... Like, Oscar's like, you kill people, that's messed up. Mm -hmm. But Ellie's like, you want to kill people. Yeah, no, that's in the movie. And then she kisses him, and she's like, be me a little. And it shows her as an old woman. Yeah, for a second you see her as an old woman. Right, so that in the book is meant, that happens in the book, but it's meant to imply her sadness of not being able to be that. In the movie, it's meant, it's very clear, not only is she 12, she's stuck in a 12-year-old's brain. She's like... Like, the horror of adolescence is a real big theme. Yeah. Like, the confusion of, like, hormones and being unable to understand your feelings. She's stuck like that forever. Okay. So that's what... But, like, in the movie, since that's not really conveyed, are they meant to be like, is she just, like, a old-ass woman in a child's body? Because it's kind of creepy. Well, because she technically is. She's been around yeah. for a long time. Right. Like, I, one thing I thought when they do make that decision to quickly cut to her as an old woman, I was thinking, like... Well, in this scene, she's kind of being predatory. She has influence over him, and she's trying to convince him to become a killer like her. Right. And so by showing that, it almost like it reminds us, like, oh, that is an old woman. Like, actually, that is an yeah, old woman. Yeah, that's pretty scary. And so this take... relationship is kind of predatory. Yeah. Because she has so many years of wisdom over him, you know? like, And so I think it was that reminder of, like... Yeah, if the scene makes you uncomfortable, like, it should, because she right. knows more than him. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, because it's, like, there's just the interpretations of, like, right. where you can make the ending out of. Because I kind of choose to look at it in the more wholesome way, as messed up as it is. You pre- want to. Yeah, because, like... Because she's, so, she's portrayed as a wholesome character. Right, you feel bad for this character. Yeah. And especially in the book, you feel awful for this character, because she hates having to do it, but she also has to live in this instinct... Yeah. to live um but yeah so in in the book i think it's they make it more clear that uh especially with with the added context of hakan not being this like child that she groomed into an old man to kill for her mm-hmm. just being just some old man versus yeah. oscar finding like someone she seems to genuinely connect with right that that changes that relationship with oscar where now you believe in their relationship more because if you think that Hakan is just the previous Oscar, then, yeah, because it, it, it makes it scary, and I love that too. I yeah, love that perspective ambiguity. of you could be because it's scary. It's super scary when you think about all, right. like what, the shot of her as the old woman. You're like, oh yeah, that is like really yeah. creepy. And the movie is yeah, I guess in that respect, the movie is intentionally being more vague and and trying to be more ambiguous and. And I think it works for the type of yeah. The, I, oftentimes, the difference when you get to differences between books and movies. One of the strengths of doing a movie is that you you have to explain less. Like yeah. there's less that you actually have to put. In you words. can convey through the atmosphere, right. and I think that's what this movie does well because it's like a super quiet horror movie. Mm. There's all of these like shots of very liminal spaces, which I think are really fascinating and really like yeah. atmospheric of being like. Dang, this like empty, scared town of Blackburg, Stockholm, where yes. they're afraid of a murderer, but like 
it seems yeah. like there's nobody around, but there's all these churches. Yeah. There's all these shots of churches. There's this clear sense of religion yeah. in this community. But there are like seven characters. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And none of them are religious. Like, right. Except for Oscar seems to have, there's like a shot of him like looking at a cross, I think, and like being kind of afraid. Yeah. Um. So like he seems to have some like religious fear. Yeah. But like the classic thing of like he's just a child and all the parent, all the adults besides like the other apartment people are vacant. You never see Oscar's dad's face or his mm. mom's face, I believe. I don't. You remember. see his mom's face like once or twice. Oh, you're right, but she's still like very but distant. There's like, yeah. And there's like no scenes just between the two of them. Yeah. That was something I expected that I didn't get that was interesting. Um, one thing that was I remember in the stage play that is not really present in the movie, and I'm curious if it's present in the novel, is there's more conversations between Oscar and his coach. Like oh, the weightlifting yeah. coach. Yeah. That he's a more prominent character in the stage play than he is in the, the that's movie. That's cool, because I think that's... I don't. He wasn't around a ton in the book, mm -hmm. but he was a motivator to like, like, hey, like you can get strong and like defend yeah. yourself. It's not about. I think there's a cool line in the book where he's like, it's not about getting big yeah. and like getting like outwardly strong. It's about getting strong on the inside, like feeling good about yourself. Yeah. And then he starts to do it, and you know, he starts to do it because he's like he's trying to impress this girl he lives by. And it's like kind of wholesome. Yeah, it's but, cute. It's like we all tried that. But Oscar's a character is also a little mini little Ted Bundy kind of esque. Like yeah. he's very clearly unhinged, mm -hmm. and the bullying in the book is even worse than in the. It's horrific. I mean, the fact that our first introduction to Oscar is him thinking about murdering his bullies. Yeah, it's literally the first scene in the movie is him with the knife with the mask. Oh no, yeah. sorry, that's in the. I'm sorry, I keep mixing. The versions up, but in the in the American remake, he's wearing like a scary mask. Too. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's even creepier. Right. The first shot you see of him is of him wearing this like almost like like Ed Gein Texas Chainsaw mask. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, is that? His you're like, oh no, it's the little kid from the road. Is it, there's something about it that, that reminded me of movies like Taxi Driver, for example, or like even like did you see Midsummer? Yeah, yeah. There's a thing. A lot of people talk about how they think Midsummer is kind of misunderstood, where some people see it as a movie about how this Swedish cult... Oh, it's also Swedish. Which yeah. Is, this Swedish cult uh, is actually more loving than regular people. But then I kind of... A lot of people also see it more as like, no, it's about how... Manipulation. Yeah, and a character who's clearly emotionally vulnerable is easier to be manipulated and easier to be brought into... It, like something that we would consider radicalization, you right. know, and it's like, do you think if she had a better relationship with the boyfriend, she would have been as e like exactly? She might yeah. not have even gone, like right, it, right? Because I'm pretty sure in the beginning, I've only seen Midsummer twice, but it's like I feel like if she had a better relationship with the boyfriend, she wouldn't have even been like, no, I'm I want to come on this, right? Like, she right. might have been like, yeah, go off with the boys. I don't, I don't care. Well, but then also the trauma that she oh yeah yeah the yeah family and, and all Jesus, these yeah. aspects, and it's like. This is a similar, in, in a small way, a similar type of story where it's a kid who's clearly an outcast, clearly bullied, not understood by his parents or even res really respected by his parents or anybody, not seen. And it's like, that is the kid that is most likely to become an ally to a vampire. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Like, it's like that's... Like, yeah, I'll kill... Yeah, hey, I will die for this pussy, bro. I will, I will, <laughs> I will kill for this pussy, bro. Honestly, dude, when I was in seventh grade, I would have killed for put like, Yeah, yeah, no, we all would have. That's the horrible... I would have uh, murdered five kids in a gym. Yeah, I dude, I was hormonal as heck. I will die for this pussy. <laughs> that, right. that scene, though, is insane, too. I mean, like... That's such that's a That's probably scene. the most, like, viral scene is, like... 
that yeah. shot of him in the pool underwater yeah because yeah, the bullies are holding him under and and i knew this scene i remembered the scene in the stage play it's kind of different where we we see her arrive and kill them but they do something with like flashing colorful lights and so you can't totally see what's happening yeah i love that but the way the movie chooses yeah to keep the action like the camera's under and you the, the way you just see like one person's feet just getting dragged you're like she's like how's she doing that right the the mystery of like what she's even physically doing and then seeing the head fall and then the hand that's holding him under just fall and that gradual realization of what's happening that's way scarier than showing it in the american remake they implied that she can grow wings oh really because during that scene you hear some sort of like glass break and what sounds like wings flapping interesting which is also which doesn't ruin anything i think it's just like an interesting tidbit maybe she came in as a bat right i don't know i do vampires turn into bats i love the the like the the traditional like vampire tropes that are in it like they she can't come inside without being invited yes like that's that's where the title comes from it also comes from a Smith song. I don't know if you that. Oh, yeah. that that makes. Isn't there a is there a Smiths poster in the movie? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So the, there's a reference in the in the book. Um, every like chunk yeah. opens with a quote, and there's like three different like Smiths quotes. Yeah. And uh, like there's like a because he had a, they had a or more not even the Smith song. It was just a Morrissey song called like "Let the Right One Slip In" or something. Yeah. And he, like, uses those lyrics throughout the book. And it's like, oh, I mean, this is before Morrissey was, like, a known nationalist. So I guess it's whatever. <laughs> but looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, he means let, let the right white people in. <laughs> let the right race in. Yeah, 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 only white people. <laughs> Uh, I I um, now I understand why they changed it in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, also let me in just has a more blanket like we understand the meaning because right, yeah. you have to be invited in. And, yeah. uh, and I suggest reading the book. The book is fantastic. Sure. It's not crazy long. So it's written by God. I'm going to butcher his name. His name is John Advilinquist. Okay. He's like the Swedish Stephen King. So was it written in Swedish and then translated? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's also a weird epilogue of the story. Um, that was in a short story book he wrote. Oh, okay. That was called, like, Let the Old Dreams Die or something, which is another Smith's quote, where it's... So it takes... He kind of wrote it because people were misinterpreting the book. in Because, mm. like, it was kind of like you, where it's like, oh, this is kind of scary. This is messed up. He's like, that's not really what I was going for. So he, he, he wrote, like, a little epilogue where um, these people are on a train yeah. and they see the two kids. And it's discovered that Oscar, she turns him. Oh, okay. And he so he decides to, yeah, he decided, which is also super morbid and sad yeah. in a different way. Because he's like, because in the book he expresses of being like, what if I go with you and then I just get old and then you use me or whatever. Yeah. He, she, she doesn't want to turn him or whatever. Right. And he's like, I want to do that. And then it's kind of like gray if that will happen or not. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, no, no, she turns him. And it, there are just these two children yeah killing people for eternity it, it is it, that's both happy and sad yeah right because it's, it's happy because it tells you it's a real relationship and actually sad that their she, lives are ruined like sad that he is cursed to eternity like the life of a vampire is actually the most miserable existence yeah, in the world yeah and like, they very portray it and it's that's yeah. that's why i love it it's just like i don't know i think I think when I got when I read this book, I was way too young. I read it mm. in the seventh grade, wow. and uh, I was like, I was like, damn, there's like pedophiles and like all this all yeah. crazy shit going on. Yeah. But I was also just like surprised at how sad it made me. Yeah. I was like, dang, I feel because like I was the, I read the book this, at the same age the characters were in the story. Yeah. So I kind of like related to that in a sense of being like, 
oh yeah, I don't really. This is just like hyper adolescence. Yeah. We're like, I like because when you're an adolescent, everything feels like the end of the world. But in yeah. this book, everything feels like the end of the world. Oh, and also they're vampires. Yeah. So. Well, I kept. I mean, I remember the first time I watched this when I was a young kid. I was kind of like, I just. I was like, I want to meet a girl on the playset. Right, it felt kind of romantic. <laughs> yeah, in a sense. That, it is romantic. It's very like Romeo and Juliet. Just like it's late at night, nobody else is there. Now you're, right. you know, she appears standing on top of the playset, and he's on the ground. He's like, yeah. Whoa, whoa! And then he's immediately girl. like, "I will die for this pussy." Right, right. <laughs> uh, I do want to just go back for a moment to. I wanted to say that, yeah, I thought the greatest strength of the movie, cinematically, is the use of the location. And that snowy atmosphere, the way that they use light and dark, like uh, how there's like a bridge and you'll see the light before and after yeah. it. And, and uh, like the moment when she does trap the friendly guy uh, and she's like it's hiding in the darkness of the bridge. It's a faraway shot. Like one... So there's so many great uses of faraway shots. There's also masks that the movie had a pretty low budget. Right, yeah. Um, like the shot of her climbing up the... Yes. Is very... Not great, but it's from so far away that like it feels kind of creepy and unnatural. I, and I love that shot, too, because it's a great example of, like, she... The the lady walks out the front of the... Uh, the uh, hospital and then turns to leave, and I didn't notice the... Ellie was on the building until right. she starts crawling. So it's that whole she was there the whole time, and we just didn't. I our eyes, that. that that whole misdirection of her eyes weren't drawn to that because we're looking at the lady. Yeah, those are my favorite shots. That's why I loved Hereditary so much because right. it was like so rewatchable and all these like wait the the fucking symbol was there. Yeah, yeah. You're telling me it was on the light pole. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. fucking light pole. No way. Yeah. That's that to me. Is, <laughs> right as a like as a cinematographer that shows so much talent because you're not simply pointing a camera at something and saying look at this yeah you're you know like all of the rules of imagery to to take a shot and know what people's eyes are going to be drawn to based well, on movement and placement and stuff and like then that. that adds to the surprise of when like your eyes are looking at this yeah <laughs> away. You're like, hey, I didn't see that. For I those listening at home, uh, Jacob was looking down and then he moved his head up. To, yeah, sorry, you know, I'm sorry. very it's twitchy. A, it's, a, it's, an auditory, <laughs> it's an auditory medium. Yeah, I'm, also, I'm also puking right now. <laughs> but I'm very skilled at throwing up without letting it disrupt my speech pattern. A good job. Do you want more water, by the way? No, I'm all right. I'll have okay. to pee. You know, all right, right, sure. Gotcha. Can't um, overhydrate. <laughs> I did Molly recently. That's a thing you got to remember is to not overhydrate on yeah. stimulants. You did Molly. Was it your first time? No, I've done it a couple times, but this is the first time that I did it. It was like good. It was with my buddy in Cincinnati. And like, <laughs> it was your first time that you did it and it went well. Yeah, like, well, because oh, like okay. I did a lot of bunk stuff. Like a lot, oh, yeah. like, a lot of, like ah, I don't know. Like I did ecstasy one time and I was like, ah, there's some speed in this. Yeah. Like, like it's 6 a.m. and I'm not <laughs> tired at all. Um, but uh, anyway, I did Molly, and we were just like, we didn't, It's you know, it's weird, it's kind of like a love drug, yeah. where, like, you feel really touchy, like, it's fun to do with, like, girls, or, like, a person that you, you feel comfortable touching, right, but I was right. just doing it with my bros, and we were, just, we were just sitting on the couch, and we were just like, oh, our just bodies felt very warm, and we were like, I don't know, we just watched, like, YouTube videos, it was pretty lame, but it yeah. was like, it was like fun lame, it was just like, <laughs> oh, dude, we're fucked up, but like, hey, let's just hang out, drink some Miller High Life on the couch. Yeah, you get thirsty. Yeah, right? oh, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. the thing, like, if there's any objective positive to say about most drugs, it's that it encourages you to get your water in Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. like, like, it is weird how sometimes you don't want to drink water at all, like, it's like, 
you're like it'll be in front of you and you're like fuck that like yeah. I, I maybe this is not relatable but i'm like i just can't like i need to, i'm not first <laughs> this, is, this is an insane this is an insane thing to talk about but my girlfriend uh, has really bad adhd and the side effects of her adderall make make her like really thirsty so yeah. man she just chugs water this nice. woman can pee more than i swear <laughs> if there was like a competition for who could pee the most mm. in the entire world She'd be up there, dude. She'd be placing bronze minimum. I bet it's like clear pee most of the time. Probably. Too. I, you know, I take time. a peek every night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let me see. I check it. I got to see the, 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 the viscosity of this piss. <laughs> Let me give it a little. Yeah, yeah, that's a good boyfriend. That's, yeah, that's got important. little jars everywhere, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to store all our You keep one fleece. jar for, per month just yeah. to keep just track of Just a sample. You know, you never know. You never when know. She, once she gets in an accident. Right. And they got a cloner. They're like, does anyone have any of this woman's pee? Luckily. I do. <laughs> yeah, right here in my purse. Oh, gosh. The only thing that could bring her back is a hundred jars of her pee. Like, well, if only there's somebody who had that. I'm the guy for you. Right. What a moral conundrum you'd be in if that was like a thing you were ashamed of. That you were keeping all this pee, but then it turns out that's the you one saved thing the world. that could yeah, yeah, this could I save this, the world. I had this idea for but a You bit. have to admit that you have all this pee. I had an idea for this bit where it's like... Um, where like you, you know they're like people that have seed banks yeah, do you think yeah. there's just some like guy in a warehouse who just has like hundreds of jars of his own cum and he's like <laughs> yeah. he's like someday the world's gonna end and old Tommy Gilligan's gonna repopulate the earth like, yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny <laughs> they're like does anybody have a hundred jars of cum oh, I'm gonna wow. save the world bucko but they're all gonna have bad teeth <laughs> I'm Mike. And I'm Allison. We've both been guests on We Are Movies before. We love talking movies with Johnny. But I'm a jealous boy. You are. That's why we've decided to talk movies with, with each, each other. other. We started our own podcast called You, you Made, Made Me, Me Watch. Watch. Each week we make each other watch a movie the other has never seen. You Made Me Watch. New episodes every Friday. I wanted to ask, I don't know quite how to transition back into it, so I'll just ask. I, <laughs> I, does the American remake, Let Me In, does that have any of the uh, allusions to her being trans? Or? There's a, there's not a same crotch shot, yeah. but, uh, which which I think is fine that they took out because it was a wild I, shot. I, that's the type of shot when, that doesn't fly in America. Yeah, that's, that's a wild That's like, very European yeah. to include that in your Because yeah, like, well, also the implication that that's a child's body. Right, you're like, that. Is, that, is that a pussy or a penis? And right. Wait, wait, it's nothing? It's the absence of it? Well, that's probably one of the first, like, instances of, like, trans representation I, like, saw in movies. Yeah. Because that's literally the effect I have where I was like, that ain't a penis, that ain't a vagina. What the hell? (laughs) Right, right. Wait, what? There's something else? There's (laughs) other possibilities? Like, and she, hey, she's chilling. She was a very pretty woman. I was like, I was like, all right, this is chill. There's, like, the same shot, just minus that. Oh, of her, of her, him like peeking on her and just being like, <laughs> he's like, what? So they, you don't know what he's looking at, though. No, you know, you know he's peeking on her, changing. Oh, okay. Because he's a dirty yeah. little boy. He's a little uh, boy. Yeah, he's yeah. a dirty little boy. <laughs> and um, they're like, like if that wasn't a kid, that also would be way weirder. Yeah, but yeah. But you're yeah. like, oh, he's a kid. You know, he's like, what? There's he's a... not the pedophile that yeah, she was no, friends with previously. No, he's just, he's just the, the future serial killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, but that's in the movie, but it's not like in, it's not really implied. There's like a scary um, the scene where she's like be me a little and turns into the old lady mm-hmm. is replaced. Um, no, there, I guess there's kind of an addition. I guess it's the deleted scene where um, she like kisses him and then like his like head just starts like vibrating and he just hears all this like screaming in his head and it's meant he's she's trying to show him 
like how she got this way and it was through like a like a kidnapping brutal like oh. rich satanic kind of ritual thing um because she's meant to be like 300 years old oh, so wow. it's through like it's kind of meant to apply like like religious panic eras and yeah. like where real not good stuff was going on so she kind of tries to show him that and it's like pretty uncomfortable yeah because the actor the actors are real good in the american version too although Moretz, yeah so yeah i but yeah. and the little boy from the road yeah um although i do think the acting in the Swedish movie holds up way better mm. because in the American version it's a lot of ah I need blood to live like it right. just but but I don't know like the acting there's always and, a benefit from foreign films right where you don't I can never really tell if there's bad acting in foreign films right too, because you're reading it and you don't quite know how they we always know how an American person is going to, is supposed to say you something. know yeah enunciate certain stuff and but so yeah. maybe Swedish Dude. people is Corey but watching the like look at watching it like fairly recently I was just like damn this, sh- this shit hits man like, yeah. uh, like some of the lines that like the kids say to each other are just so yeah. sad you feel like so miserable yeah and I also like and this isn't me crapping on 12 year old kids and their appearances i think this is a compliment to the movie and how they're made to look but they're both kind of weird looking kids yeah in the swedish version i kind of like that i like that uh oscar is like he's got this bad haircut and you know this like silly haircut and he's he's also kind of got like a silly face like one moment i kind of realized it is when he's doing it's near the end when in that incredible scene when they try to drown him uh but when his uh he's doing the like aqua aerobics in right. the water yeah and he's like Ugh. yeah and he's yeah. just kind of enjoying it and he just has this stupid big smile on his face yeah, and you kind of that, that was also that moment too because then the uh the gym teacher leaves and the kid other kid takes over and then he's just still doing it and you feel so sorry for him because you're like oh these he doesn't know that these kids are about to try to kill him yeah dude um, oh man those bullies in the book are so awful yeah in the book it's kind of implied that like the older brother is definitely the worst. Like, the, well, yeah, because they, they all clearly aren't quite on board with. What yeah, no, that, that's portrayed. Yeah, in the yeah. book where they're like, oh, we just kind of wanted to give him a wedgie. <laughs> right, right. We didn't want to like cut his ear off or eyeball out or whatever they were gonna do. What yeah. gonna do. Oh, and like that always was so unnerving. Where the the bully gives him a challenge. He's like, yeah, yeah you just gotta stay underwater for three minutes, and it's right. like not so unreal. Like, I mean, it's it's impossible for a child. Right. But it's not like. It's been done before. But it's not like, oh, you got to stay under there for an hour. It's like three minutes. You're right. like, that feels... It feels like it could be attainable. Yeah, but you might die trying like to do it. Like it's something a kid would try to do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so... Yeah. Yeah. Made me very uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. And I also love the, the tone of that scene where the music's playing in the background and the older brother just that... It's just like a long shot of him walking up and pulling out the knife and it's very meticulous and... It, and there's no score. The, the lack of score in so many scenes, I yeah. think, works really well. It, like, it just, there's, like, the score in the beginning. Yeah. And then, like, I don't you really don't hear much. There's way more music in the American version. And the music is sure. very pretty. Well, because Americans like, love to be told what we're, how we're supposed to feel. Right, the tone. But there's right. so much quiet in it. Like, yeah. there's, like, that long shot of him, like, walking home in his, like, gym shorts. Yeah. And it's, like, completely silent. And yeah. you're just, like... Jesus, this poor schmuck. Like, right, right. They just want to punch you, but then give you a hug after. <laughs> well, that adds to the uh, that ambiguity of the movie that yeah. works so well, where you don't, you're not being told how to feel, so you are being encouraged to kind of walk away with whatever feelings you do have, and. Um, like that also goes for that scene where she kills all the bullies because I could see somebody cheering at that scene going like yeah yeah to destroy those bullies right but then you're also literally seeing the slaughter of, of a bunch of children yeah so that's that 
in isolation is horrifying. And it's yeah, because the innocent kids there die too. Like she kills. Yeah, all. yeah, and it's like yeah, they're all. You know, they're all going along with this horrible thing happening, but also but they're, they're kids. 12. They're children. Yeah, they're being manipulated by an older person too. So they're not they're not deserving to be beheaded and, <laughs> and right. like delimbed de- and stuff. And so, but also like the, she's saving Oscar. So right. there, there's you could easily feel extremely different feelings watching that scene. Right. And I love when they do that with children in movies. Like you ever see the movie Mean Creek? Yeah, the, is that the, uh, the Josh, Josh Peck, Peck movie? Josh yeah. Peck, yeah, yeah, That movie yeah. has a really similar vibe a lot of the times of, like, just, like, really serious things happening to children yeah. that could happen in real life, but, like, are not normally portrayed in movies because, like, a lot of directors don't know how to write, like, for children. Yeah. But, like, the scene where, like, Josh Peck is, like, swearing at, and, it, like, out of context, it's, like, a really funny scene of seeing, like josh peck just like swear right but then in the context of the movie he like takes it way too far and he's just like talking about like the brother getting molested and like making fun of him and you're like yeah oh god that's like a cruel thing that i could totally envision a kid saying because kids also have not entirely developed empathy yet and they don't really know the weight of their words and so they are capable of flippantly saying terrible things like that and that's we kind of oftentimes movies not necessarily irresponsibly, but inaccurately portray kids as just always speaking innocently. Yeah. But it's not because when you're young, it's when you discover things that you can say that can hurt people and things that you can do that can hurt people. And, and you have not... fun almost. Right. Because you're like, whoa, I can use my... Like, yes. Especially when you're like a small kid because a lot of kids are really teeny tiny being like, oh wait, I don't need my fist. I can just call you... Like a couple sentences and you'll cry. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, love that. So much power. And yeah, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can make somebody cry with my words. That that manipulation of your environment. Because also that's another thing. When you're a kid, you feel powerless. And you want yeah. power. And, and that's kind of how Oscar feels. Being like, like he has this like weird urge to like murder his bullies, but yeah. he has no power. And in the book, he um, he like steals knives and like stabs at trees all the time yeah and he'll like cut himself like try and it makes him feel very powerless like pretending to kill this tree mm-hmm. and then like he's the one that has the like physical flesh wound yeah, yeah. Like, oh, geez. um it's interesting that yeah he doesn't even end up killing anybody in the story the closest he comes is when he distracts the cop right who gets closes killed the door yeah him. yeah he just it's he's an accomplice yeah oh and yeah. then she like kisses him with with like her bloody face yeah and you're like and you're like that was the first time that kid's ever kissed a girl and it's like a bloody face and you're like oh it's yeah. it's such like a warped childhood moment right which right. is so powerful of him being like i just had my first kiss oh but she's covered in blood <laughs> right. from this person she just ripped their heads off another conflicting feeling of like well, that's disgusting but also like oh <laughs> she does kiss. love him she, yeah. she he chose her yeah yeah and um i Speaking of what you were saying about how this author is kind of seen as like the Swedish Stephen King, um, I was thinking how Stephen King is an author who oh, so many of his stories are about the cruelty of children yeah. and, and just the capability of children. Yeah, like, to be shitty. Yeah, yeah. Like the bullying in It is insane. Too. Oh, yeah, dude. Or even in his non-horror stuff like Stand By Me. Like Stand By Me is a really heavy kid's story. Yeah, I love and, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and like that... They the both... other books I've read by him don't really have much to do with kids. That's really the one... So I've read three books. I've read this book called Harbor and this book called I Am Behind You. And they all yeah. seem to involve like very liminal spaces... In this, in the book, I'm. It's called I'm Behind You, and it's this. It's these people that go to this campsite, and then they wake up, and everything is just like gone, 
and they're like stuck in this like foggy gray landscape oh wow and the further they go out they start seeing like projections of like 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 psychological projections and like monsters and uh it's terrifying yeah it's very terrible but and like um it like they find all these like they never never they never like explain what it is exactly they all end up dying because like the fog slowly overtakes this small spot mm-hmm. and then like there's like a lot of very interesting he's really good at writing characters and like with yeah. really interesting stories and conclusions okay and then like like there's these two men who live in a camper and like they're like straight people or you think they're straight these two straight old men whose wives had both left them yeah um and then they just like hang out together but then at the end they realize oh wait like as they're dying they're like oh wait maybe we are gay and then they like make <laughs> out and then they were like they go Oh, that was nice. Do we yeah. want to? Do we want to like go further? We don't have time. We we, we this is it. This is time. Like, no, I'm okay with this. Yeah, and it's just like weirdly wholesome. Just like, oh yeah, just sometimes things being different and uh, yeah. it's just like a very weirdly wholesome atmosphere in horrific times. Is yeah, what I think he captures really well. That's fascinating. It's it is like the feeling of something wholesome in in a very bleak situation. Yeah. It, it's easier to also find the wholesome things more wholesome. You yeah, know? that's the other thing. And the weight felt so much bigger to me because they were children and I was a yeah. child, like the same right. age. It's about you, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine. Like, like I'm not a vampire or a future serial killer yet, you know. And uh, right, but um, <laughs> give me some time. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about in that scene where he sees her undressed. There's still so much around that scene where he's like playing music and they're like smiling and they're kind of hanging out. Yeah, and, and he's like mom, super dorky. Yeah, like, and the mom gets home. There's a moment where he's just like, "Oh, I gotta get you outside," yeah. and she's kind of confused, like, "Okay." what are we doing we're going outside and I was like there's an alternate version of the movie here there's a whole other movie where they're just normal kids right there's a whole other version of this movie where it's kind of like a wacky like a kid trying to hide his vampire girlfriend from his mom right you know which like, might have been entertaining too right. but like it's also wholesome yeah, yeah. The, like the, one of the most like wholesome shots of like the, there, there's actually a couple really wholesome parts the one where like he like asks her to be his girlfriend or whatever yeah. and like they're in bed yeah, and which he's, is, he's facing away because she doesn't want him to look at. Yeah, because she's yeah. covered in blood and also naked. Um yeah. and they're like playing that like, game where he's where she's like putting like the fingers on his back, mm. and she's he's she's like he's like, can I? Will you be my girlfriend? And she's just like super like. Or they're calling it going steady. Yet. Going steady, like, yeah, yeah. And, and she's just like not sure like what that means, and she's like, I'm not a girl, like, and, yeah. and, she, and it, like still being very. Like blunt, but also vague. Yeah. And then she, then she's like, "What does that entail?" He's like, she, and even Oscar, being a kid, doesn't really understand <laughs> right, what having right. a girlfriend means because he's like twelve. Yeah. But he's like, "We just like hang out and stuff, and like maybe like hold hands. It's not really that different." And then yeah. she's like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we can go study." And you're like, "Oh, that's like so <laughs> like wholesome because they both don't understand those concepts, and yeah. because Oscar, but for was, very different reasons, right? And because Oscar <laughs> eventually gets turned, they never really will." So they yeah. will exist in this like, you know, they love each other, but it's they they haven't like gone through puberty yet, and mm-hmm. like they're like in the midst of all these like they're pre-puberty, pre-puberty. Yeah. So it's like their relationship will for eternity be this like pretty like basic under like lack of understanding yeah. where like he's gonna be confused about girls forever now. But there's also like a weird simplicity to love yeah. under twelve too. Right, there's, and that's it, really wholesome. It is just that like I like you, and that's it. 
I, I think you have nice hair. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to hold your hand. It doesn't even, like, it doesn't become all gross. Like, a thir- like the second that kid turns 13, he's like, <laughs> I just want to fuck, but I don't know why or what. But at this point, he's just like, I want to put it in every hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to put yeah. it everywhere. I just got to, I just got to put it on something. Yeah, but, yeah. But at this point, he's just like, ah, I want to hold your hand, baby. <laughs> right, right. Maybe I'll kiss you, baby. It's, life, like, somebody's sexual evolution is a constant, uh, it's a constant series of like whatever I just accomplished wasn't enough. Because right. when you're 12, you're like, all I need to do is hold a girl's hand, right? And Dude, I'll be fine. Be, yeah, that's all I need. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch a girl's hair, yeah. and that's all I need. I'll can kill myself it. right after. <laughs> right, and then once you touch hair, you're like, it's not enough. Because that, that's totally how I like we all were. Like, right. Yeah. It's just like I'm gonna. Hold. Well, it's. Uh, I think um, that scene where he's asking to like go steady, I think is such a cute scene too because it is like, like you remember when we were twelve and kids would start dating, and it was always just like what you sit next to each other at lunch, right? You're like, oh yeah, your mom's took you to Applebee's, right, right. <laughs> and I was always, I was always a cynic about it. I was always, and it probably came from my own insecurities too. But I would always look at these kids and I'd be like, you're not dating, right? I was always like, what do you think you're doing? I would want like, that, but I wouldn't know why. I'd be like, right. I would understand. I want a girlfriend. I'm in seventh grade. I want a girlfriend. Why? Right. I don't know. To like, it was probably an acceptance thing. I think sure. I was probably hyper focused on relationships because I saw like a lot of media about yeah. it, and that made it like a lot of like teenagers media, like Degrassi, Dawson, like all that kind of right, shit. Yeah. So I was like, all the Nickelodeon and Disney Channel shows. We're about, about that, that too. essentially. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, if I get that, maybe I'll feel good about myself. Yeah. Probably. But then as you get older, you're like, oh, I need to build something for myself yeah that doesn't fix anything because like i'm in a very happy relationship i have been for a long time yeah but like that was this has been my first like serious serious relationship where things went right and in times in the past i it was a quick realization to be like oh you know i'm happy to have a girlfriend but i also need to fix myself still right like it's not the glue that horrifying realization that now i have the thing that i wanted but i'm still not right right and i could ruin it yeah, could fucking ruin it. Yeah, because of the things that I wasn't looking at trying to fix. Right, right, yeah. exactly. It is. Yeah, people use uh, people use their relationships as a crutch very often. Right, kind of yeah. like, well, I'm gonna. And then the this. end, we'll all die alone. You know? Right, everyone dies alone. Yeah, even if we're married, <laughs> we'll still die alone. Tactically, you know? yeah. Unless it's like likely. you hold the gun here, I hold the gun here. <laughs> like what? Well, yeah, yeah, at the same time, I refuse to die alone. Literally, if one of us is a little off. Right. We're going to screw this whole thing I have off. real bad FOMO. Um, <laughs> I don't want my friend dying without me. Yeah, dude, same time. Yeah. Oh, oh you're, you're like, wait, you're killing yourself? Like, without me? Like, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's pretty toxic of you to kill yourself and not invite me. Um, Fucking bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so do you think when you saw this at 14, uh, you said 14, right? That's yeah. What, was it... Um, you'd say it was was speaking to actual like insecurities you had at the time like sure yeah it was like about having the lostness and like the feeling of like because i mean i wasn't like bullied or anything i had tons of friends but i always felt very like like i felt this like weird disconnection and i still feel that way a lot of the time with things it's gotten better and like my maturity about it Mm -hmm. has gotten better but like i just felt like this disconnect from everything and i think a lot of kids do but i felt very disconnected from like interpersonal relationships sometimes sure and like i kind of resonated a little bit with this these like lost characters and i could there's tons of media for kids like that that could resonate i probably chose something a little darker to <laughs> i wasn't like i want to kill people but i was right. like you could yeah, have read alexander and the terrible horrible no good very bad right but i was like 
You know, like, oh, I'd go for, like, long walks alone and be, like, sure. sad and brooding, you know? Mm. So I did kind of resonate with that. But it was also a weird thing of, like, well, this is different stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not really a well, vampire. Were you known as being a funny guy at the time? Um, More of a spaz, probably. <laughs> okay. I eventually was able to channel my... I was probably so... I'm not, I had friends, mm. but like I imagine I was unbearable to be around until about my junior year of high school. Yeah. Because like I, I mean like I went homecoming king. In my, really? In my yeah, right. which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. Um, I was on homecoming court. I wasn't king. Now pussy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're on the court. I'm like, yeah, down to you. Well, yeah. Like twenty people on the court. <laughs> no, no, there were like six. Yeah. No, yeah. I won homecoming king my senior year, and I think that's what that's that was my benchmark for where I'm like, okay, I put it together. Yeah. I was able to like. Because I, you know, I have a lot of energy and stuff, and I was able to, because that's also my senior year was when I started doing comedy. Mm. It was my senior year of high school. What year was that? Oh, uh, geez, 2015. Okay. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started, and that's really when I was like, oh, I can like, I had things I was confident about for myself, finally. Yeah. And a couple things before that. And I just kind of was able to like turn off the spazziness and kind of maybe channel my energy into something that people would want to be around yeah um, yeah a, a natural transitioning yeah. from spaz to funny right, right. i don't want right. to come off like again i had tons of friends you know sure. I, just, I went to parties and shit i was a little delinquent in high school oh sure but i was also an obnoxious little delinquent <laughs> you know like i'd be like come in and smoke weed with my basement but i'm gonna scream all the time right, right. i'm never gonna stop screaming <laughs> well I, I think that's interesting because I, I, there are so many comics that i think could do with like taking the qualities that because because we all have like a, there's a version of ourselves at one time that we probably didn't like as much you know and whether it's like oh we thought we were too much of a spaz or we thought we were too much of a, a jerk or whatever or, but like it's about transferring the qualities that made us that person into making us funny right yeah. and because it's still part of you you just got to be able to find a positive spin on it yeah and i think about some guys I'm not going to name this person by name. I'm not going to pull, pull a Carl Johnson here, but I'll just say... <laughs> hey, fuck uh, you, Carl Johnson. Hey, jo shout out, Carl Johnson. You, you, you pussy who I enjoy their company. The only person okay, who I'm going to name by name is Carl Johnson. Uh, uh, challenging to a fight yeah. here. Um, I think Carl could probably beat us both up. Yeah. He works like a, like a really physically intensive job. Like yeah. He's a big softy as a friend, but I feel like if you made he's him mad... He could He's an imposing on. guy. Yeah, yeah, he could, yeah, he could deck you. I um, it, it'd be kind of funny if I bleeped out his name, but I actually mentioned this other person's name. <laughs> or I'm gonna bleep out his name, and then later I'll just be like, "And Carl, Carl." But, uh, but anyway, um, I th there's like a comic who I think who d d isn't very good, um, and they, uh, but I've heard stories about him through other people who've seen him like. They'll tell like embarrassing stories about ways that he'll act to try to be cool or to try to. Will sympathy. you tell me this person off? I will air? tell you off. Okay, air. I will tell God. you everything off. Thank God. Air. I will tell you everything off air. But because I hate that, because I've done podcasts with, with someone and I've been like, "Will you tell me this is off air?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah," and then off there, like, "I'm not really comfortable." No, I'll 100 percent tell you. Thank God. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I heard some stories about this per about him like acting a certain way at like clubs and stuff like that to try to get attention. 
And I'm like, and I, I started la laughing till I was wheezing. And I was like, this is so embarrassing and this is so funny, but also I can understand the emotions that would lead to somebody doing, oh, yeah. being this way. And I. Because it's like school again, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, and here I was realizing this is the first time this person has ever made me laugh, albeit indirectly. And I was like, if only they, because this is a person who in their stand up is always trying to make you think they're cool. They're still selling the fact, they're unsuccessfully selling to you that they're cool. And I'm like, if he just acknowledged this thing, about him that's very embarrassing and transferred that energy. A lot. Exactly. He could be very funny because that is objectively a hilarious thing to do and I'll tell you, obviously I'll tell you more details later but that is like, it comes with that honesty about yourself and who you are and who you've been. Oh yeah, self-awareness. Yeah. That, that was a real big thing for me when I first started being, because like I instantly wanted to talk about embarrassing things that I did. Yeah. Because I just was like I can like turn this into something yeah. and I can like it helped it helped me accept things like what my clothes are on my album is about running away from home and that was like a really yeah. important joke for me to write because that was like the most embarrassing thing that I ever did but it helped me like process it and be like I'm not this person anymore because I'm not 10 right, yeah. <laughs> so obviously I'm different but like emotionally and maybe spiritually or whatever it helped me like process things right. and uh honestly in comedy it's kind of like I've been I feel like I have this permanent younger brother kind of vibe because a lot of the people that I started with were old and they're mm. still old. <laughs> right, right. So like people still <laughs> like I have had comic like like I, like Dave Crumbly who I've known for like seven years now yeah. still like asked how old I was and he thought I was like twenty. I was like I'm twenty five. Yeah. He was like, oh what? <laughs> so it's like that comes off good. And that's like fun. I don't yeah. know. I think I've kind of learned more with stand up throughout the years. Just like I tr like turning it off. Because, like, when I was young and I first started, I was like, all these people are older than me. I got to turn it on all the time. I got to be funny. And yeah. I don't know if I was obnoxious because I wasn't, but, like, I don't do that anymore. Like, off stage now, I'm very, like, I don't have anything. Because it's like, if you're good at stand-up, your jokes can speak for themselves. You don't have to be funny off stage ever. Right. Right. And that kind of makes me funnier off stage is because... I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah. Like, you're I not trying to. I don't have to know. prove anything. I'm not trying to be like I'm so good, but like it's like, you know, I've I've done it. I've been around long enough to where I'm like I don't really feel the need to prove anything to anyone. Maybe there are some things you do need to prove to some people. Yeah. But overall, I'm like I don't. I don't have to. Do, I don't care. I love when uh, there's like a new guy hanging out with everybody, and he's like trying to do bits conversationally. It's, it's here's the thing: we have comics <laughs> who have been around for like ten years who do that still. Yeah, and like you talk to them, uh, like, just talk to me like a person. I have one specific example. I love him. I won't say it, but like always doing bits, and it's yeah. like most of the time they're great bits because he's hilarious. But yeah. sometimes I'm like, can we just? We yeah. don't have to do bits. Like, right, right. We don't have to do bits. There was a guy who came to do crunchies one time. It was the only time he ever did it. But off stage, he was like... So the first time I walked in, he was talking to Evan Sashello when I walked in. And he gets up to go to the bathroom. He's like, are you fucking pumped, Evan? Are you pumped? This is like doing a line of cocaine for me, bro. I'm fucking pumped. And he gets up oh. and go to the bathroom. And I was like, oh, is he a friend of yours? And Evan was like, I just met him. He just got here. And I was talking to this guy. And he kept talking to me like... He'd bring up a topic and he'd be like, oh, it's kind of like those girls that are like, that, that do this. You know, and here's the thing about those kinds of girls. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, he's doing a, like, like. He's bringing up hypotheticals. He's bringing up hypotheticals. He's going like, he's starting a conversation with you. There are ways that? you can kind of do, like, like talk funny and do yeah. like, like a conversational bit. Right. But if you're like, yeah, it's just like this. Oh, and then that. And that's why right. I think about this. If <laughs> 
you're like there's a subject and yeah. pre- like there's a there's a punchline in here that you're very hitting. if every single thing you're saying conversationally is a is a general observation about a certain type of people that you have some punchline about then like, i'm gonna get <laughs> yeah I'm gonna get weird suspicious yeah, isn't that but, weird man it's crazy how freddy krueger you know the funny thing about freddy krueger <laughs> here's the funny thing about when freddy you krueger. die in a dream you come in real life <laughs> um but I, I also love that. Like I always always get a kick out of that when somebody. I love goofballs. I love goofballs. Uh, too. We're all goofballs. There, oh, there was one guy who, um, and I love him too. Very nice guy. We were the first time I ever met him. We were hanging out uh, at Ellison's, and he, I, uh, was like, yeah, yeah. Somebody told me we were just talking about like the bits that we had planned, and he just goes like, someone told me to prepare bits, so I brought drill bits, and <laughs> dead silence, and then Trevor, who he was making eye contact with, Trevor, just in full earnestness, just goes, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> wouldn't even acknowledge that he had made a joke. Like, the guy clearly wanted us to chuckle, but then Trevor even went one step further and just responded to him as if it was just a, a Dude, thing sometimes those stupid jokes might be like, do you know Craig McGore, what, what is his last name? Craig McGaffrey? I don't oh, care. is he somebody we know? Yeah, yeah, oh, he's okay. in the scene. Craig. I, uh, this name, McGaffrey, sounds Something, familiar. I can't okay. pronounce it. He's got this joke. Uh, it's the funniest. It, he recognizes it as, as a stupid joke. Yeah. But it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. He First time I ever saw him on stage, I was with Jake Ford. <laughs> and uh, he goes on stage. He brings these big note cards. He holds up a note card. It says Utah on it. He goes, Utah, what you say to a tall basketball player? <laughs> Hey man, Utah, and I laughed so hard. I was fucking crying. I li- I couldn't believe it. I don't know what about. I just, but like every time I'm seeing, him, I'm like, Craig, you gotta fucking do the Utah joke. And he's like, he's like, I don't really do those jokes anymore, you know, because he was like new when he was doing that. Yeah, he was like, yeah. I don't really do that. I'm like, go get the fucking note card. Yeah. I know it's in your truck. Go get that Utah card. <laughs> my, my my favorite joke probably ever that anyone's ever written is the one where Zach Bracar uh, says he was watching a porno called She Can't Stop Fisting Herself. <laughs> Have you seen him do that one? Yeah, I can see it like fine. I love it. And it's the most simple concept and he stretches it out. Like, it's gosh. funnier the longest he stretch. It's the equivalent of like, do you know like the aristocrats joke? Yeah. It's like, especially when I know what's coming, the longer he stretches it out, the more I start laughing, anticipating. Zach does life. about a thousand things that make me giggle every day, even though yeah. I don't see him every day. The con- the thing, the shit that always kills me the most is whenever he does comedy rumble. You get ninety seconds. You got to make those ninety seconds count. <laughs> yeah. In the yeah. first like thirty seconds, he doesn't say fucking He's a word. He just like walk around, and be like, eh, <laughs> eh. Hey, who's pissing? Like, it right. kills me. Well, he'll that. start off silent for so long <laughs> and build build momentum or build just like anticipation just for him to go like, so you guys like shitting or what? Like yeah. it'll just be. My friends have seen him live before and they yeah. said like they don't remember his name, but they're like, yeah, he's the guy. His set just ended where he was like, I don't know what's him with uh, Adolf. Gets <laughs> <laughs> um, off. I'm gonna get in this Adolf. I remember it was the comedy rumble at Max, and he he had 90 seconds. He goes up he's like you said first 30 seconds he's silent and people are like waiting and some people are laughing because they're waiting for him to start and there's a woman in the front row who goes go like like, she thought like he didn't know his time started or something uh no i could go on about zach i'm gonna cry there's a handsome old man i want to give him a kiss yeah no i'd be there he's gonna be at the show oh i wish man he's uh 
Maybe. I don't know. Every time he says he's going to come, he doesn't. So maybe he'll come when he says yeah, he's got he cigarettes to smoke. He's, he's, got, he's got so many he's cigarettes. Got, he's got a pack of smokes he's just to put sm- down. smoking cigs and, and coding yeah. in between doing uh, like pull-ups. So, um, Is there anything else... Is there anything else you want to say about the movie before I move on to the uh, the, the negative reviews? Uh, it's a great movie. I love it. Um, it's very quiet. Uh, Thomas Alfredson directed it, I think. Mm, I've yeah. only seen one of his other movies, and I did not like it. It was Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy. Oh, I never saw that one. It was very long. There, It was similarly quiet, but it, you know, it was about old people, so I don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. It had Gary Oldman in it. He was good. Um, yeah. Some He's spy good. stuff. This is a great movie. Um, the American remake's pretty good. I really would like to see the stage play. Yeah, the stage play... One thing that was fascinating watching this, I realized the stage play had more intentional humor in it, which I didn't expect. There are, like, jokes in it. There's a conversation with the uh, the um, the the gym teacher, who I said, like, had a bigger part. And there's a part where he's, like, trying to get advice from his gym teacher about the relationship he has with Ellie. And it's kind of played as a joke where... The way he's describing it to the gym teacher, it sounds like he might be gay instead. And so the gym teacher, the kind of the joke is about his reaction going like, ah, well, buddy, you know. Now, is Ellie made to, is the trans thing in the stage production? Not that I remember. I it don't feels like quite a subplot to, to just bury. Like, yeah. in like, but also in the movie, it's almost buried. No, like which is, I guess it yeah. makes more sense in a movie. But like, if they slightly bring it up on stage, I think it'd be even weirder. Right, Because yeah. I feel like it's hard to like bury things. Yeah, yeah. So I don't version. recall it being in the stage version at all but there is that moment the the moment with the gym teachers it's played for laughs like it's kind of played as a joke and then another part that was played for laughs was when like because there were quite a part few parts that were but after she like the climax after she kills all those kids that were like trying to drown him uh she nobody asked her to be to come in so she starts bleeding and he's like and she's like you didn't ask me to come in he's like oh you can come in and she goes thank you and then like stops bleeding and like they the whole audience started laughing, like especially like after that scene, Real it feels like attention. Oh, it's kind of cute. release, yeah. And it's kind of a cute little joke. Like see, it's like you could do good. See, it's like let the right one in came out like during Twilight, right? And it right. kind of like made vampire movies like bad. And I was like, dude, like listen, it's 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 cool. It's like, yeah, vampires cool. are sick. You can do a lot. Like that's very you can make funny movies like 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 uh there will shadows what's it called uh, oh yeah what we do in the shadows what we do in the yeah. shadows you can be funny you can be yeah. bad like twilight which is fun those movies are fun yeah and you can be good like let the right one in yeah 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 and i've got i got ones i'll recommend to you later too uh, oh, yeah. there's there's a lot of really good kind of like personal human vampire movies and stuff love and, it um but yeah i uh, i do think that's a good example of humor that's not like that you know, as much as I enjoy some of the movies, that Marvel humor of just like, oh, so that just happened. Right. You know, like, you gotta, it's have, like, a, it's, you gotta have a good mix. It's it's yeah. kind of funny when real life is funny. Like, you ever see uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's some funny moments in that movie, but the movie is so morbidly sad and yeah. vacant that sometimes real life being funny just kind of sneaks in. And it's natural. Right. It doesn't like, feel like they're like, we gotta put a joke here. Right, yeah. and I remember like the scene where he's like trying to start a car and it wouldn't, and I was like, well, I'm, I kind of want to laugh. Right, right. Um, so I went to Letterboxd. You ever used Letterboxd before? I do, I can't use it, cause I, not consistently. Okay. Um, I, uh, I looked up half-star reviews out of five. Oh, my God. Uh, and it's a highly rated movie. It's got an average of a four on Letterboxd. So right, most people yeah. like it. Uh, half-star review. This person said, Boring, stomach-turning, inglorious. Where is the Swedish child protecting laws? 
that was it. <laughs> I mean, I, I like when people call it boring. I do get it. I've shown yeah, that movie. It's to slow. Yeah, it's slow. Like yeah. it's 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 definitely not like a typical horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I like it. That's why I liked a lot. That that really turned me onto a lot of other like like quieter yeah. horror movies. Like slow because Hereditary is probably my favorite horror movie, and that movie is slow as shit. Yeah, it's like mostly about sad family. But I love when a movie requires me to pay close attention, and I'm rewarded for it. Yeah, like, so that's why I like yeah. that kind of stuff. So I get it's boring. Um, it another one where I think the person expected the wrong type of movie they said so we decided to watch horror and little brother chose this movie if i had to describe this it would be pure bullshit the only thing that was scary <laughs> was that we the only thing that was scary was that we threw away 150 our 115 minutes of life i don't even know why the grade is so high did we miss something boring af yeah, the, I, yeah I would I, say maybe you did miss something but yeah uh, the, the horror is is of what's happening like like versus what's visually happening i think because it's like visually not that scary right it's unnerving and that's and, when i first watched it i was expecting a horror movie when i was a kid i remember and right. so i was kind of let down by that but like you said as we discuss stuff a lot of the ideas in this are very chilling yeah and there are moments that are very chilling one i think when she licks the blood off the ground oh yeah and she looks up and her face is like it reminds me of like linda blair and the exorcist oh yeah yeah, yeah. and you're just like oh like and it's and there's no music cue. It's just no, and it's it. like a very simple shot of her just licking the floor. And yeah, it's, it's very unnerving. It's and what you brought up about the power dynamic of the relationship and being like, oh wait, she has maybe is she like a three hundred year old woman? You're like yeah. that is really creepy. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one. Got to give some credit to the dour Swedish temperament that created this. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I haven't been this bored by a movie in a while. It's just a total chore to get through, the kind of aimless pseudo-genre exercise that mistakes the stasis of storytelling for thematic depth. A waste of time. Oh, my God. That guy's a Tarantino guy. Oh, that's a guy. That's a Tarantino. Where was the N-word? I haven't heard the N-word once in this movie. (laughs) That's a stasis of storytelling. (laughs) You know the story's moving along the more times you hear it. Boundary put Like, whenever, like, movie nerds say it's boundary pushing, it either means, like, some sort of violence against women women in the movie or the n-word like it's boundary pushing you see a girl's head get chopped off like, right. I don't need to a guy chops off a lady's head and then says the, the n-word yeah. doubled up yeah, yeah. yeah this is challenging um this one like made me laugh they let the wrong one to watch this fucking piece of shit <laughs> That doesn't even make enough it sense to be a good show. Yeah, yeah, they could have fixed that a little they bit. They let the wrong one make this. And the last know. one, this is another half-star review, and I think this is funny because it relates a lot to what you were saying tonight. What Zero Pussy does to a motherfucker. Really? <laughs> That's really? It. What yeah. Zero Pussy does? It's 100%. That's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm glad you uh, got me to rewatch it because it was always a movie I knew I'd get back to rewatching because right. I always knew it's good. Yeah. And I wanted to see it again, and, and he gave me an excuse to watch it again, and it's... Uh, it's a nice kind of. Uh, I think if people are watching spooky movies at this time of year, it's a change of pace from some. Right. Yeah. It's the, more like it'll get you. It'll, it'll freak get you out on the inside. You'll think about it for a while. Yeah. It'll and that's kind of why I picked it because it's like. Uh, well, I also know you're a movie nerd, so it's yeah. like, I figured we I could have like a pretentious talk about this movie that my friends are tired of hearing me talk about. <laughs> we'll yeah. be like, yeah, Jago wants to talk about some artsy dumb vampire movie. There's like a pedophile in it. <laughs> Right, this that I swear, guys. It's yeah, good. yeah, it's good. I get it. one of the main characters is a pedophile, but it's, yeah. you don't root for him. A couple, I root for him, but you know, <laughs> right, right. A couple movies I would kid. point to 
if you're a fan of this movie, a couple other vampire movies that I think have a similar vibe are, there's one called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night that's really good. Uh, and then also, one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Martin by George Romero. Uh, okay. And uh, similar vibe. So I recommend both of those to you okay. and to anybody listening who likes this movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Thank you for getting me to watch it again. And uh, before we go, I, I want to make sure I'm plugging things correctly. You have... Uh, Besides your album, which is great. Thank I was you. there for your album recording. Thank you. Uh, I kind of regret making it now. Because uh, <laughs> I'm to the point now where it's been about a year since it's come out, so I hate it. So Sure, that happens. There's lots of things on it that I like, but I look back and I'm like, yeah, I could have cut that track. But sure. Yeah. I like all the jokes, but some, some of them didn't turn out as good as I wanted. Was it, did it feel like a relief to at all to like kind of relieve yourselves of all of all that material like once you once it was immortalized in the album you were like okay well i'm i'm moving on now well it was certain jokes because there's yeah. a lot of jokes on that album i never really could do other places okay but i'm kind of removed from the idea of like not doing the act because it's like mm. any of the jokes i still do from that album are now much better now yeah yeah which kind of pisses me off but like i've worked with so many headliners so many people are like you do an hour you film it you throw it out but, yeah. like, I mean, like, Tom Segura's first Netflix special is, like, all jokes from his old albums. Yeah. So it's, yeah. like, I think it'd be stupid to not, like, especially if I'm pinned down in a set. Yeah. Be like, I gotta pull out some... John Mulaney used material from his uh, from his last couple SNL appearances in his new hour. Yeah, like, why not? It's, it's like, it's, it's stupid. Like, so, <laughs> I'll still do that. that. That's my main thing to plug. Uh, yeah. I guess I got some cool shows coming up. I'm doing a TED Talk for TEDx yeah. on the 25th. Oh, sweet. So that's cool. Where's that gonna be? Uh, Detroit. Okay. Uh, I'm doing that. Uh, I have my first... Uh, big show at the Laugh Factory on the October nice. 22nd. Chicago? Yep, so I'm nice. going to Chicago, and then I'll have my TED Talk that week, so I'll be a fun time. And I'll awesome. be at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase Halloween weekend. Oh, sweet. Yeah, awesome. so yeah, I'll be a fun what's, week. What's your TED Talk about? Can you, are you allowed to reveal anything? Yeah, so it's, 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 I'm doing something about... Um, so, so what I've tried to do, I've watched a lot of TED Talks from comedians, mm-hmm. and a lot of them talk about comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's cool, but like, <laughs> I feel like I want to talk about something else. Besides being like, not not that I diss anybody who does that because yeah. I think it's fascinating, but it's like I, I think I have so like I want to talk about um I'm gonna do this thing about uh like how assumptions people make about each other affect like things like self esteem and how um we like fail to like act on like the real things we need yeah which is things so the main concept about it is about like so for me the personal narrative part is I'm gonna talk about this job that I worked at. And about how, like, I was, like, mistreated at the job for my disability. And about how, like, I wanted to, like, tough it out to, like, be, like, cool and, like, not need help. Mm-hmm. But then you got to realize, like, you know, you, you shouldn't get a gold medal for work in retail. You yeah. know, like, you can ask for help and right. things like that. So that's kind of the main message. Calling that's it awesome. a nobody is a hero. I think that's, that's awesome. That's great. I love that. Um it, it is, uh, I'm sure it's super easy to kill at a TED Talk. To, to, oh, yeah, yeah. You ever watch those and people, like, get huge laughs on the most For vanilla nothing. jokes? You're like, oh! Well, that's the thing. So yeah, I would murder in that room. <laughs> I've always, I've actually had this kind because I, because I've seen people from our scene do them. Yeah. For a couple years now. So I've always, I've had this one kind of done for quite a while. And it just kind of randomly came up that I got to do it. And I'm talking to Tim Finkel, who's mm. doing it too. And he's like, yeah, so. my idea is almost done. It shouldn't be done by the end of the week. What about you? And I was like, honestly, weirdly, I've kind of had this idea for quite a while. Yeah. And I figured out ways where I can put in, like, little jokes in it that do well on stage. I'm like, it's a TED Talk. These jokes should kill. Yeah. Like, because I'm going to do, like, not, like, bits, but, like, little chunks. Because, like, I have to, like, 
explain my disability or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I got a fucking treasure trove of gunk that I can <laughs> spew at people. Yeah. So yeah. I'm real excited. It should be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Bro. Yeah, thanks for having Appreciate me, dude. It. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, any other time, and, and don't feel like you always have to talk about something pretentious. If you ever want to come on and talk about a fart movie, I'm oh, happy dude, to do that yeah. Too. I mean, I, I love bad movies, but that's that, this is probably my favorite pretentious movie. Okay, good. If I ever come on again, I'll, I'll bust out. Uh, I don't know, like like Frozen, the one where they're on the like they're on the ski lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good dumb movie. <laughs> it's a great that's dumb a movie. Good, yeah, yeah, Pendulum Swing. We'll do that. Awesome. <laughs> All right. everybody that wraps up yet another episode of we are movies thank you so much for listening huge thank you to jacob for coming on uh definitely go follow him on all the social media stuff he's on instagram and tiktok at kid with the hands and also listen to his album disability buddies which i've linked in the description to this episode uh if you're a fan of this podcast and you haven't yet you can follow us on instagram and twitter at we are movies pod you can like the facebook page we are movies you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Johnny Mockney Comedy. You can also uh, follow me on Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney. That is all I have for today. I'll be back with you very soon uh, with the next spooky episode of We Are Movies.